Okay, this next one is going to be much more interactive and shorter. So one of the things I think that's different about us as chaplains is that we don't just minister to people, we minister to an institution. And we as chaplains can change the institution. How many of you have found that out yourself? So let me give you two examples, one from history and one from me. Any Navy chaplains, where are my Navy chaplains? Okay, it was the Navy before we were even a country that the chaplains on the ships got people paid in cash instead of booze. And not just chaplains paid, but everybody paid. We weren't even a country then and chaplains changed it. From my own history, something I didn't know until I retired and the three stars said it at my retirement. I got to do a lot of really fun things. I've, I've literally flown two fighter jets and yes, I got credit for catching a Megan Korea, which is pretty cool. Tom Cruise eat your heart out. I really did it. Um, so I've thrown two fighter jets, two tankers, and two generals jets. Not because I'm really cool, but because I helped the commander take care of his people, and that was his gift to me. When the, the general who gave me my second flight in an F-16, which by the way, my baby brother built the engine. And I'm sitting ready to take off going, hot darn my, oh my God, my baby brother built this engine. <laughs> um, so when he went to retire me, he said, she didn't know this, but I gave up three new fighter jets to keep her in my unit. And that's because of the difference we make to the institution. He was the first one, the first commander I had that ever taught me that I can make a difference to the institution. You military people know that sometimes we need more bodies in and other times we don't need bodies. That's our accordion. Well, this is when we need a bodies. And so while we need bodies, every stand up that you go to every weekly staff meeting, all the squadrons would have to say how many people they still had and how many people they were losing. And this one squadron, people were, were just bailing like everything was on fire. And he looked around at everybody and here's the poor commander sitting there saying, anybody know what's going on? Well, little dumb 03 chaplain back here goes, I think I have an idea boss, but I'd like to talk to you about it offline. I said, okay, meeting over, poor commander standing by the door wondering what's gonna happen. And I said, you know, in this squadron, we have a brand new commander and we have a brand new first sergeant. Usually in most places, one will train the other, but they're both new. And he went, I didn't think about that. And I'm thinking, you did such a good job, Jan. <laughs> and then he looks at me and says, what are you doing about it? <laughs> Colonel, Captain, oh, okay. I said, well, every time we get a case that's a first case, like a domestic violence or a DUI, the three of us get together and I talk about what we need to do and we divide up the work. And he went, great idea. And I'm thinking, okay, now I'm off the hook. And then he says, what should I do about it? I'm thinking you're the colonel, I'm just a baby chaplain. And I said, you know, I think the commander just needs to know you believe in him. And he nodded to me, left the room, went over, slapped the guy in the back and said, you're doing a hell of a job. I can't wait to see what happens when you've got more experience. My door is always open to you. Next week, the stat showed that people had quit leaving that squadron. And I went, that little bit made a difference. That made such a difference that this guy wants to retire me when he's a three-star and gave up jets because of me. 
you'll never know what impact we can have on an entire institution. And it's morale as well as moral. There's pieces that we can speak into it that nobody else can speak into. The same Colonel, I was his, his poor wife had no social skills whatsoever. Absolutely none. She'd open her mouth, get in trouble. He'd call me and say, she did it again. I said, yes, sir, I'll be there. Let me translate what she meant to say. One time she introduces herself to the officer's wives club. My name is Mrs. General. My first name is this. My friends call me this. I have no friends here and she sits down. The translation is, I can't wait until I get to know you and you could call me by my first name. Did she say that? No. <laughs> so I had to translate one more time. Sometimes those little things make such a difference. At the seminary where I teach, I've been known to not walk on our president's door and say, I'm not here as faculty, I'm here as your chaplain. How are you doing with this? This is a rough time where we're looking at money again. We're, the school's only a year older than I am. It has a very small and down fund. You've had, you've had to make some cuts. You've had to say people aren't going to get raises and we're paid pittance to begin with. Hey boss, how you doing? By the way, his wife now took my chaplaincy course. So he gets chaplains more than he used to. We make a difference to the institution. One of the ways we make a difference to the institution is what we're gonna talk about now. Now you military folks are probably more aware of this than any other forms of chaplains. Healthcare probably right behind it. But this is what we call religious accommodation issues. So when a employee comes and says, I want to be able to do this because my faith says I must. They're going to turn to us as chaplain and say, what do we do? Well, the first thing is go back to why we're allowed to be chaplains. We are only allowed to be chaplains in the United States because of the second clause of the First Amendment, which is what? The freedom of religion clause. And it's not our freedom, it's our client's freedom. We're there to protect their freedom in my theological position to be wrong, but to protect it. Religious accommodation issues have the potential for major conflicts among opposing claims for truth. The institution needs this, the faith says this. What do we do with it? It's also continually evolving in fact, a lot of my examples are going to be here from when I retired from the military in 2000. COVID's made a big difference in some of what we do as um, religious accommodations with vaccines. And it's going to continue to change as our world gets bigger and gets more pluralistic. I believe, IJAN, this may be the most significant issue and challenge you face as a chaplain. And you're bosses are going to ask you, what do I do with this? One more second. The other thing I want you to hear, and we can almost be done with this, but it's their decision of what they do. It's our advice on what might be helpful or hurtful. We advise, we don't decide. Yes, sir. On your four points up there, I think the, the third point is you know, carries significantly more weight than your second point up there, mm -hmm. the opposing claims of truth. Uh, you described earlier the smorgasbord idea of religion. In the Army, 
a lot of our doctrine, a lot of our re religious support language, even on the legal side, is is tending toward spiritual yes. freedom rather than religious yes. freedom. Which makes it harder for us because we're not talking about doctrine now. Well, yes, and it's it's specific to the individual. So that's where the plural pluralism exactly comes right. in. And even you mentioned the, the, the vaccine yeah. religious exemptions. Uh, you know, the Army's position is whatever that individual says is their spiritual or religious belief, that's what we have to... Whatever is true for them is true for them. So there aren't really... I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen people come in with opposing truth claims. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think the, the, the truth everybody believes is that I can have my own truth. Yeah. And your truth doesn't affect And even truth. if you look at generationally, our millennials are like that. My truth is my truth. You know, how, how are you to, to question this? Well, you're probably going to question it when you hit 30 and have kids, but let me know how that works for you. Yeah, very true. It, it, it's much harder now than it was for me when we can look at somebody and say, tell me what your doctrine is. Tell me what your belief system is. But there's still boxes that all of us can help our bosses with. And we'll be talking about some of those. Excellent point. One thing to remember is religious accommodation is based on the constitutional right of free exercise of religion, but it's not guaranteed in all circumstances. We're certainly here seeing a lot of that in our political diversity that we have. It's not always guaranteed. What happens when this right impacts this right? What happens with those who want to support LBGTQ and those who say, not in my world? What happens when those two rights are in conflict with each other? Management, not us chaplains, approve requests when there will be no adverse, and listen to what we usually put in that big box. No adverse impact on the mission of whatever our institution has. Health of others, not just the person. Safety. Cohesion among employees. If I grant yours, what does that do to other people? Quality is part of that. Standards, if it's not written down, it doesn't count. And discipline. The ability to do the job they were hired for. I don't know where that end came from. Sorry, I'll fix it. Can you do this job I hired you for if we let this happen? Is usually what our bosses are looking for. Can you do this or can you not do it? And if you can't do it, what's going to get in the way of doing it? And can we accommodate it for this piece, but we can't accommodate it for this piece? Maybe we can accommodate it. I'll talk military again. Here back home in the States, but I can't accommodate it if I put you in a Muslim country. That may be different. Management, our leadership is expected to respect the religious beliefs and practices of all of their members in a manner that's consistent and fair to everybody. And oftentimes the knee jerk reaction is to say, oh yes, or oh no. And what we need to say is, if I say yes to you for this, what does that do to everybody else? I'll give you some examples of where we've screwed it up. 
Support of religious accommodation doesn't necessarily reflect agreement with somebody's belief in such practices by management, but management is gonna be oftentimes more likely to say, well, I don't agree with this. That's not their role. That's our education to them about why it's not their role. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we chaplains have to agree with it or the department we work in has to agree with it or the institution has to agree with it. It is if saying yes here does not adversely affect others in this job, then we should usually err on saying yes. So far, so good? Okay. Requests and conflicts of religious uh, accommodation should be handled at the lowest level possible. Um, I think that's still true. You military chaplains can tell me. We still have conscientious ob objectives on the books, don't we? Yeah. And it's amazing how we have conscientious objectives as soon as we have a war. Mm -hmm. Huh. Fascinating, isn't it? And a lot of times we chaplains get to talk about what does it mean to be a, a CO? What does that mean? So if somebody were coming to your house and going to take out your wife and your kids, you just stand by and say no? Well, then you're probably not a conscientious objector. So let's think this through. Why are you bringing this up now? What's that mean for you now? You could have changed your mind. People change their minds and grow and change and mature. Sure, you could have. But here's the consequence if you go this route. Here's the upside, here's the downside. RA issues can include, but are not limited to these following categories. Worship opportunities, dietary practices, medical practices, Sabbath observances, whenever the Sabbath occurs, wear of religious apparel. Those are the typical ones we get. Anything else any of the rest of you have gotten that I don't have on my list? Religious yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, I, I put that there. Yeah. The chaplain does not normally have to decide what is valid or a traditional religion, a doctrine, or belief in order to consider the request. In some places, the exception is for a COVID vaccine. Can I let you work in healthcare when you're not vaccinated against this? and you'll get it and you'll give it to somebody else, heck no, that's a job issue. <laughs> when I was in, if somebody was a Christian scientist who didn't believe in vaccines, the military would say, I get that, but I can't let you infect somebody else. That's gonna affect the institution. Whether we see it as a doctrinal issue, a valid or traditional religion issue, is not normally relevant in determining if a member's request for accommodation should or should not be granted. And that's where you were going with the changes. We as chaplains should advise on the series of factors involved for our bosses to determine if granting the request is consistent with health, safety, quality, member cohesion, standards, policies, discipline, and the whole institution. Now, some of our bosses are going to go to JAGS, going to go to legal, and they should. Please, if you haven't already, 
get a good experience with your Jags and work together, especially us in the military. I don't know how many times I've called them and said, hypothetically speaking, if I ever had a client who said, and they'd say, well, what does this client think about? I'd say, just a minute. <laughs> oh, probably not. <laughs> By the way, you people in the Navy take back a lot of people who have gone AWOL and put them back in basic training. Boy, is that a punishment. Let's go through Paris Island one more time. And we do know, I believe as chaplains and as even members of the United States, a legal requirement is the lowest common denominator. Okay? Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical, moral, safe. Those things have to be considered as well. We should, as chaplains, be able to recommend accommodations and management should grant it unless, these are Jan's words, the religious practice is illegal, sensuous, or otherwise violates health, safety, morale, quality, cohesion, and discipline. I was fond of telling the people that work for me, if it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or unsafe, knock yourself out and try it. Standard procedures are usually this when you're working with management. The requester may seek the advice of a chaplain or may be sent back to talk to a chaplain, depending on who they talk to first. We as chaplains can always seek, I love this, this is a CPE phrase, consultation. This is where we consult with others. I have no clue what to say. What would you think I should say? Have you ever had something like this? You've been in chaplaincy longer than me. What? I have no idea what to do with this. The chaplain serves only as an advisor to management who needs to consider the importance of the request to the requester. How important is it to them? Or is this just a new fad to get out of work? I saw that with basic trainings a lot. I'll give some examples of that in a minute. The cumulative impact, if I say yes, or if I say no to everybody else in my institution. Are there alternative means available to meet this religious accommodation that aren't necessarily what they're asking me? Is there another way around this that could still work for them? Is there a history of, are there previous treatments of the same or similar requests and how we handled them in the past? So those are some things we want them to consider. Okay, here's some examples. Corporate worship considerations. I can't work on the weekend. I go to church on Sundays. Okay, anybody heard that one besides me? <laughs> yep, okay. Is it possible for them to be able to go to church, have the weekend off, have at least that Sunday off? Sure it is. Depending on what's going on, we can say, then you pick up Saturday. Oh, I, I kind of wanted everybody else's time off in this time too. Probably not going to work. Friday Islamic worship, same thing. Saturday synagogue, Seventh-day Adventist, same thing. Holiday services, those are a big one. I was with one commander one time who decided that everybody who was married got Christmas off. If you were single, you had to work. What's wrong with that picture? 
<laughs> There's lots of options wrong with that one. But it was an intent to be helpful to one population, wasn't it? Okay. At work considerations, those are come up too. So now you're working. What about my private devotion? Can I have a devotion while I'm at work? Sure you can. Are you going to be able to do it privately? Does your job let you do something privately? Are you going to push it on somebody else because you're having it? Are you the boss now that says, I'm having devotions, you should probably be here too? That's kind of a conflict of interest and power. Holy text readings, can I read my holy text, whatever that happens to be? Yeah. Unless your job is to be watching for missiles. Probably not a good plan. Daily prayers, Bible studies. Worship elements came up a lot, especially when I was working with basic trainees. Well, you know, we have to have alcohol for communion, and the military says, I can't do it in the dorm. Yep, you're right. You're right. However, we have worship services over here with communion, and they'll give you the choice of this wonderful little thing we call grape juice, or fermented grape juice. Oh, I really wanted to just drink in the dorm. Probably not going to happen. Can I light candles in my barracks? What's wrong with that picture? Fire safety issues. That's not a religious issue. It's a fire safety issue. And now we have these wonderful little electric candles. You can use those instead. That's the workaround. We can find a workaround. Food issues. Well, I'm not really, not really gluten allergy. I'm kind of gluten sensitive. And that has to do with what in your religion? Well, maybe how I take communion. Yeah, we can make something different happen for you. I can make that happen if I'm leading your worship service. One of my favorite ones that a boss, one of my bosses taught me was we had a basic trainee come in and you know how young kids are gonna try to shock the heck out of us? So he came in and decided he was a Satanist. And in order to worship, he had to have blood. Okay. So he says to the chaplain, how am I gonna get blood? And my boss says, just a minute. Let me check this out, I'll be back to you. My boss calls his friend who's the um, hospital commander and he says, go over, to, go over to the clinic. The hospital commander will meet you there and make sure you get some blood for your worship. Kid goes, huh, okay. Walks over, commander says, stick out your arm. Kid no longer needed blood for his worship. <laughs> but if he had, here it was. Different symbols. Um, most of us know when we have a chapel, it's a building. It changes by the people who are inside it. So do I leave the symbols up for Christian worship when I have Jews in there? No. Do I leave the symbols up for Muslim worship when I have Christians in there? No. So we change things out because of this. But some people will come to us and say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm totally offended because I went into this chapel to pray and there was nothing in there. Okay, so tell me how you pray to God where and what do you need? How does that work for you? 
So some of these examples are examples that people will come to us with. Part of what we're looking at is what's underneath it for them that they're asking. What does it mean to them? And why are they asking now? Yeah. I was just thinking of an example of you in the healthcare world of uh, my CD uh, uh, supervisor mentions, you know, uh, even um, if, uh, if uh, uh, a child died in childbirth and what to do with the remains yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and depending on your religious group, That's that right. might be different. Sure. Yeah, and, and especially when we're working in healthcare, and all chaplains will, even if you're not working in a healthcare setting. Especially when we're working in that, we're sometimes talking about autopsies. We're talking about how soon the body has to be buried, according to religious. But then sometimes a legal issue trumps the religious issue. And we have to find a way to make that work as well. We have to do an hospital chaplaincy. We had a large neonatal intensive care unit. And, you know, babies would die. And the families, many were, were, wanted us to baptize the dead babies, which, you know, that was a problem for someone who's Protestant chaplain. So we developed a blessing ceremony with a certificate and all this kind of stuff and did that. And, and in every case, I mean, let's say, Catholic and really wanted a Catholic, which we could get a Catholic priest involved. But in every other case, that was adequate for them. That was the accommodation we had to make for them, but also for us. So the accommodation can also be for us. Yes. Can we still do a blessing? And can we do something that doesn't doesn't impact how we believe as well? I can't prostitute my faith. I can help you do something that you need. Mm -hmm. um, most priests that I know now, especially with the priest shortage, not let anybody baptize a baby. So your nursing staff oftentimes can baptize a baby. In Colorado, for heaven's sakes, you can marry yourself. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so, you know, some of it is what's, what's the legal precedent that's been happening here? What does the state say about some of these requirements? What are people asking for and why are they asking for it? I had a Seventh-day Adventist chaplain that I worked with for years who would say to his folks, if you want Saturday off, you better be offering to work on a Sunday. Yeah, we can swap out. I need a body to work over the weekend. You can swap out. There are ways that we can make that happen. When I had a, a Muslim military kid working for me and he said, well, I have to, to pray five days a week. I mean, a day, excuse me, I have to pray five times a day. I said, so Idris, how do you do that? How, how would you do it in your country if you were at war? And he said, well, we pat the ground, we pat our body parts, and we say a prayer to Allah. I said, okay, go ye therefore and do so. The other thing I can do for you is I can make sure that at your Friday lunchtime, because that's their high holy time for prayer, that you have a separate place that you can pray. And I'll store your prayer rug here. If you want her, you can bring it with you. I can make that happen, but you're giving your lunch hour to take it. What's the trade-off you're willing to do tells me how important this is to you. Dress, and this is what you were talking about, PJ, too. The beards are in there. Wearing headgear, wearing stoles, um, robes, religious jewelry. Okay. So I can wear my cross, I can wear my grandma's cross, but I sure couldn't wear it when I'm working on the flight line and it's gonna get sucked into a plane and decapitate me. 
that's no different than wearing my other grandma's diamond. That's not a religious issue, that's a safety issue. Feel free to wear your wedding ring, know that you'll go home without a finger. Okay. So talking about those pieces and why we have some of these roles. You're working at a, at a, at a meat packing place. Do you really want to lose your hand to wear your ring? How are we going to make that work? Can you use a rosary, prayer beads? Of course you can. Are you going to wear this in the middle of a wedding ceremony? Well, if you're marrying somebody similar to your faith, sure you can. Are you going to do this if it's somebody else's? No, because that's intrusive to them. Are you going to make sure that it's going to get sucked into a machine that you're working on? Probably not. If we look at it from also safety and how it impacts the rest of the world, that's a good place for us to start and for us to help the commanders and our bosses start. Dietary issues. Can we help somebody that needs to eat kosher? Sure. Halal? Yes. Vegetarian? Sure. Just because you have an allergy, not religious. Now, if you have an allergy, I could accommodate that too. We can help with that, but this isn't a religious issue now. Medical issues. This has certainly come up during COVID and probably all of you have come up with different ways that you handle it in your institutions. As I said, when I went through and one of my peers was a Christian scientist, even he would say to his Christian science folks, this is about protecting the larger good. That's why we do this. Um, most of us have worked well, maybe. Maybe some of us have worked with the issue where I can decide for me, but I may not be able to decide for this child who doesn't vote. And that's when it gets taken to an ethics committee in hospitals. Can you have surgery? Yeah, sure you can. Can you say you're not going to have surgery? Yeah. Will you be put out of the military because you're not ready to go to war? Yeah. What's your upside? What's your downside to this? What about organ donations? Can you accept them? Can you give them? What about autopsies? There's a legal issue that comes in with autopsies more than a religious issue. How do we help somebody think through these things? How firm do they want to be about some of these things? I remember working for, with the first Muslim I ever met in, in healthcare, back when I was doing my first unit of the CPE, who said, I'm dying, I need to face Mecca. Well, I'm not ground qualified to you army people, I do it in the air. <laughs> Where's the East? <laughs> I can make your bed move. I can go in and talk to the nurse and just turn your bed around. That's all you needed. That's all we needed to make it work. And then as he was dying, he said, I need to, I need to point to Allah. And I'm, I'm crippled. I can't do that. I said, you know what? Either I can do it for you or I can hold your hand up, which will work better for you. That's an accommodation issue. Cost me nothing. Didn't set a precedent didn't mess up the healthcare system that they needed to do for this patient. What about COVID and shots? How is that handled in your institutions? 
because that was definitely new. If somebody believes they shouldn't have it, they can put it in request. My understanding is most of those questions to request hardly ever got passed. Because of why? State of emergency and for the good of whom? The nation and the institution. You can decide not to have it for you. I can't let you infect other people is where that fell out for most of us. You don't want to get a shot? Fine. You're no longer working in the hospital. That's your choice. It's your choice. I don't have to agree or disagree with what you feel about vaccinations. Or if a vaccination is, is the mark of Satan on your forehead or your arm. I don't need to agree with that or not. I can say to work here, this is what's required. Think about when, when we talk about, say, a, a fire person. For the longest time, they never took women in, into being in the fire department at all. And it really didn't have a whole lot to do with gender, culture maybe, tradition maybe, but it had a lot to do with, do I have the upper body strength to do the job? Can I carry somebody out of a fire? If you prove to me you can, go ahead and apply. But the institution requires this, can you do it? This isn't a gender issue as much as can you do it? I know guys who can't do it. Are you hearing some of these things to consider in here? Are you hearing some of the examples, I hope? Okay. Some case examples. All right, how many tables do I have? One, two, three, five, six. And is there more than one person online? Uh, there are yes. one, two, three. I think we can do it. Can you do a can you do a Zoom breakout with them? If not, they'll just join us later. Probably not. We could try, but no Zoom might happen. Entirely. Okay. This table has case example number one. You all have number two. You all have three. You all have four back there in the corner. You all have five in the center back. You all have case example six. Can you see the words enough? Six is, a, six is a Muslim wants to wear a headscarf at work. Can they? If they're in the guard, honor guard in a funeral, should they? If they're part of a ceremony representing the institution, should they? Does that make a difference? That's what six is. Okay, look at the examples, talk about it in your groups and see what you come up with. How would you advise your bosses at this point. Hey, Jenny, uh, maybe what we can do online is they can just do a self-group. Sure. And if they have questions or comments, they can just chat them to us. Yeah. Okay. So, that can be like, I don't know if you So, if you're online, um, I would say take one of these examples and talk it over as a group. You can chat back and forth with each other. And when we're done, we're going to come and, and debrief some ideas. So it's 10 after right now. I'm going to give you no more than 10 minutes to come up with more than one idea. How would you advise management? This is really cool. I've, I've wandered around and listened to a lot of different ideas of what you've come up with. Y'all are coming up with some ideas I haven't thought about. So this first one over here, let's start with, with our first table. 
a Jewish airport ramp rat. Now, this is not just in the military. This is somebody who works on the flight line, like with Southwest that I came in on. And it's anybody working. So that could be your baggage people. That could be the people that usher you in and say, stop your plane, those kinds of things. Uh, okay. That person requests wearing their headgear, their yarmulke, and a Star of David necklace while they're working on the flight line. And the boss comes to you and says, what do you think about that? What did you guys come up with with some ideas of things to consider? So, <laughs> I elected Helen to stand. He's good at doing that. That's okay. So we uh, discussed this and felt that no, we cannot wear the necklace, that this would be a safety issue. And uh, he could put it in his pocket, perhaps. But then that as was long kind as of it would be secured. Secured, yes. Uh -huh. And so then with the yamaka, he could wear that under headgear or ear protection if it did not impede the, um, like if he just had headphones or earphones for hearing protection, it was like attached so that it absolutely could not come off. Um, or headgear, it was underneath the headgear. Yep. So, so some of the thoughts that they had over here in general was of those two things, what are more required by their faith? Wearing the Star of David isn't. Wearing the Amica is much more a requirement of faith. Okay. Why do we not want somebody wearing either of these two things out around airplanes? Safety. How many of you watch Top Gun Maverick lately? God, that was good. I watched it twice. And yes, I did better than Tom Cruise. But there was a place in there where they talked about a bird strike. Remember, yeah, yeah. something that gets sucked in the, into the intake of a plane is going to knock that whole plane out of there and a lot of people can die. Okay, so there's a safety issue. So sometimes just talking to the person who's requesting this, this isn't about your faith, this is about safety. Now, what might you be able to do to keep this safe? One thing somebody came up with here, which I thought was highly entertaining, was, gee, somebody could get a tattoo of the Star of David. Huh. When I was in the military, you couldn't wear tattoos. Now, if we said no to people with tats, we wouldn't have anybody in the military. <laughs> uh, and that was the same thing in healthcare. As long as you covered it, nobody saw it, that was okay. Yeah, that, you could probably do that. If they were in the military or had to wear a uniform, which most people do on the flight line, I'd say then if you get a tattoo, get it where it doesn't show through your, through your uniform. We could do that. There are ways to accommodate this or to say, if this, then this. And if you're not really willing to accommodate it, then you probably don't have a job here. How bad is it that you want this? Because I can't put other people at risk because this is what you want. And that would be any kind of a head covering in particular, not just a yarmulke. Anything on this? Okay. Number two, police training living in the barracks says he's a Satanist. He says he has to draw a pentagram on the floor of the barracks and light candles during a full moon. What do you think, group number two? You uh, just elaborated. Our first question is which floor? You just said, you just said the floor of the barracks. But yes. The question didn't state that. So I'm our, sorry. Our first question was I presume which, that. Which floor do we need to put this on? Yep. Um, our question over here was does this need to be permanent? Mm -hmm. um, our question was indoor or outdoor for the lighting of candles for safety. Mm -hmm. um, our question was for full moon. Um, what accommodation are you willing to make 
and that if you have to stay up at this point, will that prevent you from doing something in the morning? Good. And because they're a trainee, the question is, could the thing you'd be giving up and willing to trade, meaning I have to do this on Friday night, which means I can't do something Saturday morning, is it possible to even trade? Because if you're a trainee, you might have a group you have to train with. Right. You can't do it on your own. My military friends yeah. have mentioned that you have to have a partner depending on your rank. Mm -hmm. And so my friend Chris here said, put the onus back on the person. If you could find a partner, then we could talk about this, but you can't do this alone mm -hmm. if you're a certain rank. So a lot of questions. Good. This was actually one I had with, with trainees. Mm -hmm. And the easy answer was, you can't deface government property. Could they do it outside? Um, we could have. But when we did that, the kid backed off from, I'm really not a Satanist. I just needed to scare everybody. I think the other thing that was brought up too is, um, once again, if, oh, I just, you brought it up. My, my brain just totally, hey, 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 on the floor. Oh, no, no, it was, oh, oh yeah, like if you're, like, you're, you're doing this to be a police officer. If this is in the middle of some giant thing, you can't you just pause if you're on call to do this. Yes, excuse so, me, there's a domestic violence and a shooting, but I have to go do this. How are you wrestling with some of this and when does it trump, right? So sometimes this is effective and sometimes we can support, but once again, back to Good. mission and Good. safety and all of these other pieces, yep. it may not always be supportive. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I think the other thing now, we have electronic candles that we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I didn't hear you say that, that I might bring up with them, is if you're doing this in the barracks with everybody else who isn't, what does that do to them? Our assumption was that they wouldn't be doing it. They'd be in a private place because it would impede upon other yeah. people's religious Yeah. So we, we're trying to focus some of these other questions as well. And that was one of our points of discussion is, you know, what's the location? Mm -hmm. I'm Presbyterian. We light candles for worship all the time. Which is not in the house and not in the barracks room. It's at the chapel. Mm -hmm. So there's appropriate. Could we make a space for this person at the chapel? Can we find an office? Yeah. But, but a part of it, especially, this is just jam, because this is a basic trainee trying to get out of something. <laughs> what do you try? What would you give up? How important is it to you? Yeah. But yeah, we can find some other ways, and that won't make it difficult for you. Do you still want it? Yeah. Good. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. One full moon. <laughs> I know some trainees get multiple full moons. Oh, they will. <laughs> some of them get washed out and come back to us. <laughs> Take another lap around Sinai. Another, uh, I believe you did, just about uh, you asked the question of have you missed a full moon before and what happens because good. of that? Yes. That was a good yeah. Or what did you do when you lived at home as a civilian? Yeah. What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Good, 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 good. Okay, number three, a male missileer, somebody working in a missile silo, refuses to serve with a female missileer in a two-person silo since his beliefs are he must flee temptation and we're locked in together for X number of days. What did you guys think about? I was gonna wander, I'll quit wandering. Table so number three. I was one guy at our table who knew some missileers because they they were part of my training early on. And they were very proud of what they did. And uh, so we had some questions about how long they would be down there and proximity questions. And I answered the best I could. Maybe you could fill in some of those blanks. But uh, as we as we looked at it, 
a couple of things came up. First of all, temptation, flee temptation, that's the religious piece. Right. But in today's military, you have uh, homosexuals, you have uh, yeah. transsexuals. Yeah. Uh, so that, that gets complicated. So you're uh, not going to work with anybody and it's a two-person crew? Right. Okay. And uh, I, I don't even know if they would have reached this point if this is, you know, because they're pretty carefully selected, uh, these individuals. They have a very special mission. So, but uh, to get that at point, they'd have to do an awful lot. So now they're giving up something. So what? Why are they doing that? Yep. Uh, what? What is? Temp what's going on with the temptation piece? A lot of us thought this is a counseling invitation. Right. Good. Presented to Good us. Point. And I don't know if I missed anything else that came up. Here. Well, what have you done in the past when you've been in an elevator, say, and you know, all the people get off and you're? I have the Billy Graham rule. Right. I never get on unless somebody that. else is there. Well, I you're talked to Billy Graham. He said it was fine. <laughs> you're staying on that floor for the rest of your life. <laughs> or, you know, what other ways can you flee? If there's video surveillance, you know, yeah. maybe there's a third person there. Or if you have an accountability relationship with somebody, you can debrief them later. I always have videos, cameras, and those things. Yeah. So what, this is a real-world case in the Air Force. And the guy who complained about this being in a missile with a woman, it was mostly his wife who was worried and jealous. Oh, but even that aside, it had been accommodated by a previous commander. And the new commander said, ain't going to work. You either work with somebody or you don't. But that was setting a precedent. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, this is one thing that we talked about. What's my personal belief system? Because I don't know any doctrinal position that's going to say you can never be with somebody of the opposite gender. Um, when I talk about counseling and counseling other um, genders with my young seminarian, a lot of my guys will talk about the Billy Graham role. And I'm going, one of these days, I'm as important as Billy Graham, let me know. <laughs> but some of the rest of it is talking to them about it. So, well, I'll have my wife come and join me. So now we don't have confidentiality. If I wanted your wife, I would have asked for her. Okay. But then when I really get to them, is what you just brought up a few minutes ago, especially now with the, the change in our world. So what are you going to do when a guy hits on you? And those poor young boys almost going to a heartbeat. <laughs> think that's not going to happen? Why do you think we have windows in our counseling offices? So these are some of the things to, to be considering. But what does that also do to the female missileer who now gets cut out of positions because somebody else? Is that a fair thing to do that to that woman who's an officer? No. Is that a fair thing to do to the rest of the crews that have to accommodate this guy's belief system? No, of course it isn't. And I, I love your position about this is a counseling issue more than a religious mm -hmm. uh, accommodation issue. Yeah, I think one of the other things that we kind of mentioned too is he's refusing, which means he's refusing a lawful order. That's right. It's a very serious thing. That's what happened with the, in the military. And so, and so being sure, I really like your question of what are you willing to give up? Yeah. Because we'll take this to the command, but if it comes back and you're just refusing an order, does, it doesn't mean that she's going to leave. It means that you're going to leave. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, cross train you to something else you're not going to like because mm -hmm. you stole the government something. Yeah. Oh well, I really didn't want that. Huh. You know. So our posture in the military, as I understand it, is if we can accommodate it, 
without impeding the mission than we accommodated. I, I hope all of us know that, like, there's some practical concerns as well as like this doesn't necessarily have to be a hard-edged religious concern. And if it's been accommodated before, then as long as it's not creating negative ripple effects, then I, I guess I would want to lean towards the posture of accommodating it. Yeah, and in this case, what they found out it was very hurtful to the rest of the missileers. It certainly hadn't hurt the women because then other guys didn't want to work with it. And that had nothing to do with their religious issue. It, and it hurt some of the rest of them going, now I have to pull an extra shift just because this guy won't work with anybody on the crew. That's why the new commander said, wrong answer. But you're right. If we can find a way to accommodate, we'll accommodate it. Sure. And if I remember correctly, it's been so long. I think, I think the crew was on duty for two full days or three full days. I mean, I think we always have to keep that in mind. But I, I guess the point I was trying to draw to is, you know, flea temptation is not necessarily like a hard Christian rule. But one accommodation I had to deal with in my guard unit was our commander always has a commander's call at the end of our drill. And we, he wanted the chaplain to do a benediction. And an atheist came to me and just said, hey, I don't, I don't want to be there for the prayer. I mean, there's there's no like established religious law that says he can't hear a prayer. He doesn't even have a religion. So, But we made the accommodation. The commander's like, yeah, he can come in five minutes late, simple as fix. But I think, you know, it is a counseling sort of issue as well, but also just like we want to make it as easy as possible to have our folks do their job well and if it's not super disruptive like apparently in this case it was but if it's not super disruptive then i think that's the easiest fix right yeah this could work if, if it's uh police officers partners that could be the same issue we could work in a fire department same issue it could work on on with my nascar crew because we have women crew members now you know what's this gender thing going to do and how do you handle your temptation that is not our problem um, I was a supervisor and chaplain candidate in the past couple weeks in a very conservative Baptist, heavily fundamentalist Baptist. Bless, it's a little hard. Yes, and he's 43 years old, he's not married yet, and he does hold very strongly to the, the Billy Graham rule. And so my sort of counsel to him was like, you know, that's your, that's your, and it's his endorser, right? And so my challenge to him was like, it's all in the messaging. Yeah. Right. So if he goes and he's taught, because I have a, um, my enlisted partner's female. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking through, he, and it's, it's statistically high that he'd have a guy, but he could probably have a female at some yeah. point in his yeah. career. And it's like, it's all about messaging. Because if he does talk to her about, like, I want to flee temptation, it's like, so what, like, you're, te you're tempted by me, you know, like, are you lusting after, like, that yeah. the messaging is, is right. key. But if he's just like, you know, it's just my endorser, they say we can't, so, you know, we'll just take two cars, like, that is so different. And it's all about the messaging and the way he presents it. Um, so that it doesn't, doesn't make her awkward, it doesn't make their working relationship yeah, weird, you know, you. it's all about the message. Well, yeah. the first scenario would make me as a female think sexual harassment. Yeah. That the, Which the, the, guy would be, the guy would be harming yeah. his own career and how he says it to the woman. Because the woman might say, I feel sexually harassed because he's told me that I'm a temptation. And, it's and, and then also processing with them too, like what happens if you're deployed? Right, and so you and your RA are the only two people so there in certain uh, temporary duty together, right? certain locations, and so how do we balance this? And and what are what are how have people addressed this in the past? And guess what? We can do it by threes even. Mm -hmm. We can ask another person to come to write us. Yeah. Couldn't this also be not a religious accommodation? Yeah, I mean the obvious thing is 
I don't work well with this person. I'd like to be assigned to work with someone else. I would do my mission better. I'd accomplish my job better if I gelled well with my teammates. And it's not a gender issue then. Then it's an issue of, I don't think I'm well matched with this person that you put me with. And and that could work if we're looking at it as, as not a religious accommodation that the person is going to take to the next partnership. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just in saying that for me, I want to do the best job I can do. And some of the rest of it will be, you're going to have people that suck. How do you have to work with them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to humanity. Um, I don't know about you all, but the younger I was, the more I had fixed rules. Kind of the edges got rounded. Okay, anything else on this one? Yes. Yes, ma'am. You kind of got in the weeds about if you're a pastor or if you're a chaplain counseling somebody. It kind of comes out of that question. And I do think there's great wisdom in what Billy Graham encouraged people to do. Yeah, and maybe we all say that when we're counseling, this is what I do anyway, if I'm counseling somebody in my church, I'm more nervous, or on board ship or wherever. I've got a chaplain's assistant, RPs, which you call them in the Navy, or my secretary or somebody, an elder, if it's after hours, that meets me at the church. I think it's just good for our protection and for the clergy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Billy Graham was smart in that. I, I told you that I was married to a cop. Even before Steve and I got married, young police military people watched out for me. And they'd say, ma'am, we're just gonna park the car out here. You're at the chapel by yourself. That's pretty cool. And I mean for male or female, whoever. It doesn't matter. I had somebody else out there saying, we're here, if there's a witness, we can be your witness even. I mean, if I call somebody else and then say, I'm gonna be here by myself, you decide that you wanna come after me for something I didn't do, why the heaven would I call somebody to watch out for me? Or those guys who say, well, my wife could come. Sure, she can sit outside the office door, but not inside because of confidentiality. Yeah. So how do we help people think through the consequences of their choices? That's what we're doing with religious accommodations. Great comments. Okay. You guys were four? Four was... One, two, three, four. Four was um, a Muslim fireman. Physical um, run test is scheduled for Friday at noon. He says he can't test because he's Islamic. And that's when he has this high holy prayer time. What did you guys talk about? So this one was pretty straightforward, at least on the Air Force side of things. If he's active duty, then. Um, we do onesies, twosies anyway. It's not a unit that's taking the PT test together. So we just rescheduled the PT test earlier in the morning. Um, Who wants to run at noon? Who wants to run at noon? <laughs> yeah. No one wants to run the PT not test. Not even the instructors. <laughs> and we discussed a little bit like if it is the reserve unit where they all take the PT test together, um, might need to talk to the leadership about switching the time for everybody. I think everybody would be happier with an earlier runtime. Um, but we thought this one was pretty. Change of time? Yep, for everyone. Okay. Um, or my Navy guys. What if this is a Bugs week? Are you going to reschedule because of Bugs? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> if we can accommodate, we do. But if, if not, then sorry. Bugs, Navy SEALs. Yeah, we kind of liken this to saying, hey, we're going to do our PT test at 1030 on Sunday morning. Well, we would all look around and say, what do you mean? That's church shift, right? Mm-hmm. So 
it's just a pretty common opportunity to, to reschedule it based on. Yeah, the thing to talk about with anybody that's Muslim that talks about having to pray five times, and especially this is the Friday noon is their high holy prayer time. Um, what do you do in the middle of the war? You don't stop the war because it's prayer time. Pat the ground, pat your body, say your prayer, keep working. There's other training too, mandatory training that is not, you can't reschedule. Right. This is the only time that this is when the group is doing this and the command is doing it at this time. We're taking place in a particular function. We can't reschedule that. So, so some of it may be, I can help you at these times. This one is a no change. Yeah, and some of it's education too, right? So like, what did Muhammad do? What did other people in this space are, are high high profile, high vis people within this place do this? And what are the exceptions to that? And then finding ways to work through that too. Yep. Okay, good. Um, five, Christians lead a mandatory course on domestic violence. Some of us do psych ed courses, right? For the people we work with. And that person comes in and writes on the dry erase board, Jesus is the reason for the season. Religious accommodation, can that person do that? Should that person do that? Table number five. We weren't 100% clear why they would do that. We don't really feel like this is a, a religious accommodation because um, yeah, the, the relevance of it, we just weren't really sure. I mean, if it was given during the Christmas season and they wrote it up there, perhaps. But, um, you know, we just kind of said, like, they probably just shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, the one piece of advice we would give to the commander as we're advising is to say, no, you know, shake it off. But be prepared for the possibility that this person might um, claim persecution at that it's point like, right and to to basically deliver the message or do it in a discreet way that doesn't make them into a victim yeah. i say yeah and um it was also brought up you know it, it's not clear there i mean the assumption is it's a secular environment yes. but if it was like a church environment it would be completely mm -hmm. different okay. so you have the context is important so part of it is truth and lending if i advertise this as a christian training on domestic violence, I can put that up there because it's a volunteer thing. But if it's a mandatory thing that people have to come from, they don't get to vote. And that's that's religious abuse. And that's sometimes what our people can't tell the difference and they mean one. They just can't tell the difference between that person might have written it up there. In fact was a case I have this person wrote it up there because at holidays there's going to be more domestic violence. Okay, I get why you're saying that. Now, let's talk about holidays and domestic violence. Not Jesus, domestic violence. I think it's an education to it, too. Again, my first thing is, why did you do that? Why did you, what, what possessed you do and, and I would want to talk to them and ask that question. Um, but also, that's opportunity to say, this might not be the most appropriate thing to do. Probably wasn't your smartest one, no. Mm -hmm. I would just kind of echo it out towards the larger piece, right? So, so there's certain roles that we have, right? So, and especially commanders or people within specific spheres of influence, right? And so if it's my own personal beliefs and it's something that I'm addressing on my end, yes, I have free religious exercise of my freedom, right? Um, however, 
when it comes to who has to be there, why they're there, and what my responsibility over them is, yeah, it can become that abuse of power. And so it's this balance of educating, hey, you can still express your beliefs. However, we have to ensure that the institution is not conveying affirmation or like exclusion of a specific religious practice and forcing others to do the same. And so. sometimes, uh, that's a really good point, Jessica. Sometimes, even depending on what our role is and, and what institutions are working in, uh, I can stand up here, even being in uniform, and talk about what I'm talking to you about. But I can't say I'm representing the military for this. Those of you in healthcare, you can't say you're representing the hospital on your personal opinion. I had a, a peer of mine, bless his little heart, Bless his little heart, you know what that means. So, he decided that he was going to go, he was assigned to Nellis in Las Vegas, and he was going to go on the strip and, and convert all the prostitutes in uniform. He's no longer in uniform. So, you know, part of that is who you're representing as, as a part of the question as well. What was your purpose in this? And I usually talk to them about it being a um, truth in lending. If I'm advertising as a, a Christian Bible study, I can talk about it from a Christian perspective. If somebody's ordered to come to see me, that's a whole different thing. Some of us, maybe you have. I've had a lot of cases come to me because the judge says, go see the chaplain or go to jail. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> you know, that's court ordered. There's a difference with that. I love what you guys were saying, and, and I wanted to say this. I'll do this again. At the lowest level, oftentimes it's educating. It's educating the person who's requesting first, and then it's also educating the commander, the boss. Yes, ma'am. That's, that's the other thing that you were saying is that if from the military side of things, then we would go with instruction in hand that demonstrates why we can't right. do these things and educate that person and also obviously advise our, our COs. A lot of people do the best thing they, they know how to do given the data they have. And they're coming from another institution and just saying, I need to put it here. What I do in my local church works fine. Doesn't necessarily work in this pluralistic world. And especially for our young folks, that's a lot of what we have to train them for, our chaplain candidates, as you mentioned. Good points, everybody. Yes, ma'am. Well, and because in this case, tying domestic violence to the holiday season is a valid <laughs> point. And so to say, why did you write that up there? Well, because of that. And the kid is not trying to proselytize for the person. They're just naive about how you are going to tie it to the holiday season. So, um, you know, seems to understand. And this one was trying to proselytize. Okay. Well, <laughs> but yes, we, we did. Story. We did talk about the other piece. Right. If they're seeking to accomplish yeah. a teaching aim through right. a misappropriation of words, then yeah. you know, to try to understand what is going yeah. on here, and then yeah. holidays can be dangerous to people's health. Yes. Maybe to a conflict. Mm -hmm. You can write Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, Mark, God bless you. <laughs> bless your little heart. <laughs> um, my, my question would be, especially coming from the mandatory course on domestic violence, whether it was military or civilian, what would you do 
if the person said, I couldn't attend this mandatory class and I'd like an accommodation for it because Jesus because is the reason that. for the season, I Great. shouldn't have had to attend this Great class. thinking. Yeah. And how would you deal with And then have a right said, to say that. someone who said, I, I should not be required to do this because this was mandatory. Prison chaplains get into this a lot too. I mean, your prisoners can't leave. So there, there's a spiritual abuse that can happen. You know, let me give you a Bible. You didn't ask for a Bible. Would you like a Bible? Okay, that's different. Um, in the hospital, Lord bless me, I've been a hospital patient more than I've been a hospital chaplain. <laughs> You're tied down in the ICU and I can't leave and you decide to come and tell me Jesus is the reason for the season. Even as a Christian, I'd want to throw you out. Okay, number six. The Muslim wants to wear a headscarf at work. Is that okay? What about being an honor guard at a ceremony? Can you wear the scarf? What did you guys discuss those issues? Yeah, so it depends on the funeral. I think also, the, what's the conviction? Is it go to an imam, find out, is this required to yep. do that? Um, where is it? Contacts, right? So if yep. it's happening, in country, it happens to be in combat zone, yeah. different funerals, different services, right. and we do with families there. Yep. There's a family of fallen uh, soldiers there, you know, maybe uh -huh. people don't want that. So you kind of have to like, manage that. So really relationships, talking to each other about what, what's going on, but we definitely kind of side with, you know, what is the religious practice? Uh -huh. What does it say? Similar to table number one, is this a safety violation? Mm -hmm. You know, are you working at some place where that scarf's going to be strangling you or pulled off? My husband's an FBI agent. No, you're not going to wear it and get strangled. Thank you very much. You know, that's that's not going to be a good plan. Um, I'm not a Muslim, but when I was in Turkey in the middle of the Gulf War, wear a headscarf. You know, don't don't dress in American shorts. Okay, so how do we how do we talk about those things? When I was trying to put up something about what if it, what if it was a funeral um, or honor guard, are you going to be the only one in a head covering, and everybody else has a uniform? What does what does that connote? How can we do that? And maybe the uh, one of the the women put her scarf in underneath her military hat. That worked. Are you, are you hearing these issues? Okay, I got six more hour for us to play with. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ready? A Satanist requests blood for a worship ritual in your chapel. Not necessarily the one I have. Seventh day Adventist work section is hosting a barbecue for orphans. Isn't that delightful? She says she can't participate at all as a religious vegetarian. Number nine, Muslims in a meat packing plant. This happened in Colorado, by the way asked to have their shift break occur at the breaking of the Ramadan fast time. Should it be accommodated or not? What are the considerations? Number 10 in the back, a Christian CEO gives Christian workers the weekends of Christmas and Easter off. Should that be accommodated or not? What things should we consider? A Native American, 11, in training for whatever, living in the dorm, the training dorm, asked to be able to worship outdoors during training hours. 12, 
an ordained Christian woman, receptionist, reads her Bible at her desk all day long during work. Yes, no. Ready, go. I'm so glad to hear the excitement around your tables as you're talking about this. Let's start with uh, number 12 in the back here. Back table. An ordained Christian woman receptionist reads her Bible at her desk during work hours. What are the issues you talked about? Yeah. She's not doing her job. So she's yeah. doing that. She likes to do that on her lunch hour or break. It's not interfering with her work. That's not what we pay you for. The other thing is you're a receptionist and people are coming up to you. What's what's that do to them feeling welcome? Yeah. Talking about your chaplains. But still, if her head is down and she's doing something else when you walk in, that's not very inviting, even in a church. And I'm doing it on my cell phone. That's even better. Do you find receptionists who, like, their job is to be there, and if no one's around, they can read Daniel Steele or sure. they can watch it yeah. on their phone. So in that case, it would be yeah. a parody of why can I not read my Bible? She can read her novels. Yeah. And that accommodation, I think, can be acceptable. If uh -huh. within the job, they allow other people to do their uh -huh. own private engagement of work or play or however uh -huh. they entertain themselves, as long as they're available for people when uh -huh. they come in. And maybe or this isn't a religious accommodation issue at all. It may simply be you're not doing your job, yeah. and this other person is. Yeah, that's not what I'm paying you to do. But his point is a good one, which is if she's allowed to read her nonfiction book, that's right. fiction book, then I should be allowed to read my Bible. Yep. If our jobs very, are the same, very equal. Mm -hmm. equal. Good. Okay. Yeah. Native American has to be able to worship outdoors during training hours. What did you guys discuss? Um, if we can accommodate, that's one thing. Can can you worship outside? He or she worship. It specifies outside of training hours. Worship away. Go ahead. Yeah. Or how about on a break? We take breaks. Um, when I when I was working with this in, in uh, military basic training, it was like a course. The the training instructor gives people breaks. Go outside and do your paperwork while you're watching this training out there. You could do that. <laughs> Get your work done at the same time. One of the points that came up I thought was interesting was um, in terms of accommodation, you know, is that person on the raise, is that person, you know, are they, are they hardworking part of the team or are they lazy or, I mean, are they, there's this whole idea that, you know, the mission, I guess, is what that falls back onto, right. but, but that was an interesting point. Yeah, consistently we're look, what we're looking at is why are you asking for this? Yes. Are you wanting to get out of something, or is this really something that that is important to your soul? Okay, good. Okay, ten. Christian CEO gives Christian workers weekends and Christmas off. What did you guys discuss? That was a fairly easy one in the corner, I think. I think we were we were concerned of whether or not the CEO was handpicking the Christian uh, workers and exactly. only giving them the. 
Yeah. Uh, you talked about uh, equal equal time off for yeah. people of all religions. Uh, is it a 24-7 type job situation, or do they have the weekend off anyway? Yeah. That kind of thing. This is an equality issue that the CEO needs to think about. And and what exactly is the job? Um, what What's that going to look like? Um, in ACPE in particular, we have a whole list of here are all the holidays every week. We find out all the holidays. Good Lord, Jews have a holiday every time you breathe. You know, but which one do you really want to have off that we can swap out with? I could talk about that one. You want you want Ramadan? You want um, Rosh Hashanah? You want Christmas? Okay, you guys willing to sub for each other? We could probably do that. Okay, yep, it's a it's an equality issue. Okay. Uh, Muslims in the meatpacking plant asked to have their shift break occur at the breaking of the Ramadan fast time. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, if the um, break times are flexible, then it probably can be accommodated. Yeah. Um, if everyone has to be present, take their breaks at the same time, then uh -huh. nothing says they can't eat at the end of their shift. Uh-huh. Okay. And what, what's your shift? Oh. You know, are you the morning shift, the mid shift, the evening shift? Okay. That's a piece of it. What else did you think about? So here's where, here's where the, the CEO got in trouble. He said, of course, you can take your break. I can put everybody who's a Muslim at this meatpacking plant that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I can put you on, on your break because I don't want you passing out and falling into the meatpacking too. This is probably a good plan. But he never gave anybody else a break. So how are we gonna break our shifts to make it work for everybody? That's where the person didn't got in trouble because they didn't think about how does it affect others. Seventh day is uh, work section hosting the barbecue for orphans. She says she can't participate at all as a religious vegetarian. Talk to me. Somebody at this table. So we talked. So we talked about the fact of like what is uh, what else could they do at this promote it right. But then it has that goes into like, are you? Is it that you can't actually participate with an event that actually does that? Like, what level of revulsion is that within your faith tradition? So, like, and what level of like um, celebration does that inflict on you if you have a problem with that, right? Or that event? And so, asking the questions of like, well, could you uh, just eat mac and cheese that's there, right? Or is it to a level of like any sort of death of an animal is offensive to your faith tradition and so yeah well not even touch it but be at an event where it's promoting it right so those are the questions we ask and is it mandatory that's another question like are there things that they the, the work section could uh volunteer into and this was one of those many things mm -hmm. and to, to say no i'm not going to do this event but i'll totally do this other event yeah. so those were some of the questions you we want to collect shoes for the homeless i can have that one up Yep, those are questions to think about. If you're, if you're looking from a short sure. Seventh-day Adventist background, it's more about, I can't consume it. <laughs> so you don't have to eat it. Although I did have a friend who said, well, you know, as long as we don't tell my wife that I have the 
barbecue ribs. I'll be just fine. <laughs> okay, last one over here about blood products. Um, so the first thing we discussed was um, whether uh, Satanism was um, covered as an accommodation in the organization that we were a part of, which believe um, in the military it was not. So not necessarily have to accommodate this. It's all. not a recognized faith group to have chaplains, but it's not not a, it's not unusual to have a member who says this is my faith. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be accommodated in the military because it's not a recognized faith group. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then we talked about all uh we said there are a lot of other places this could come up so then what do we do? Um our first uh concern was health and safety. Uh, with the use of blood, which could potentially carry any number of pathogens. Um, uh, how is the blood being handled? How is it contained? Um, what is it being used for? Uh, what type of blood is it? Uh, what sort of animal or person is it coming from? Um, and uh, we got to the point where we decided we would just ask as many questions as possible. Um, to get as much information with the, the hope that the person would give up <laughs> by the time they were done asking. Um, ultimately, though, um, especially in any facility where there is a medical concern, um, we decided this would be too much of a safety uh, risk um, to allow it. The other thing to consider that I put up here, it's in the chapel. So if I let you do this in the chapel, and then my Catholics come in next, or my Orthodox Jews come in next. What does that do to that facility for them that this happened in? That's another piece to consider. It's defiled now. Now, can I let you have another room somewhere? Yeah, I could probably do that. that or is there a purification ritual that you could do after yep. before yep. and stuff like that? How temporary would your ritual be? Because yep. if we're taking down crosses and we're moving mm -hmm. things around for other faiths, then what would we do for this? Yep. Well, Good. Yeah, I think that, that brings up, it actually mean you're not just talking to this person, but then if you're going to allow that, then you're going to, you don't have to talk to the people who follow. Exactly. Yeah. It brings in more. How am I doing this? How am I telling somebody else? I had one chaplain I worked with that couldn't have anything dead on the altar. So, you know, instead of buying flowers every week, we had artificial flowers. Like, well, that's not going to work very well. Okay. If we're saying blood is like a biohazard or is not allowed in chapel, the Satanists could throw back and say, well, the Catholics have the mass like every day. And they say it becomes body and blood. And as a Presbyterian, I would say, you know, the mass is not. Fortunately, the usual, usually the people asking for this are not that theologically smart. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me stop for a second. I'm so glad you guys were talking about all this. This is wonderful. So I hope what you're looking at is our role is to advise, not necessarily to decide. Our role is also to do this at the lowest common denominator. And our role is to look at the bigger picture of if we say yes, what happens? What's our upside downside? And most of the time, our bosses are going to make a knee-jerk reaction based on their faith a lot of times. Well, it's going to offend me as a Christian, so I'm not going to let you do that. Wait, 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 boss. You know, 
I don't, I don't want you getting a, an EEO complaint here. These are some things you need to consider. When you can, take the high road and say yes. But think it through and think it through from not just the religious viewpoint, but also the safety issue, what it does to morale for the whole group, what it does for who's representing this institution where. If you think about those things, it doesn't necessarily have to raise to that level. Making sense? Super. Thank you. Over to you, Mark. All right. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yes, let's give her a yeah.